never know what's going to happen in this sport in this sport you never know with with these fights anything is possible i do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in mma history he didn't know it was going to be a buffet though he thought it was going to be a three-piece now you're getting the whole mgm grand buffet to the face man what's up fight fans it's time for the rj ringside ufc 246 post fight recap here i'm your host heidi fang joined along with sam gordon larry mir and adam hill we are all at the t-mobile where we just witnessed a demolition out of Conor McGregor, who made his return here fighting at 170 against Donald Cerrone in the main event, which lasted all 40 seconds. So that'll do it here for this podcast because we're only <laughs> going to do it as yeah. long as uh, the main event went. But wow. Sam, thanks for joining us. <laughs> all right. I appreciate y'all having me. Everyone have a good night. What a resurgence by Conor McGregor. This whole fight week leading up was just the calm before the storm, so to speak. And I think a lot of people, including Dana White, were highly impressed with what they saw out of him at welterweight here in that main event just taking out donald cerrone who adam has not done well in main events historically and this one again just another situation where he couldn't pull through what did you make of that yeah i mean he he said this week the whole narrative about him not being able to win big fights is ridiculous i know dana white tried to sell that too but it's true i mean in the biggest fights of his career he's kind of come up short he's also had a tendency to start very slow uh over time I thought for sure that the you know one of the best bets in that main event was over one and a half rounds for a couple of reasons. I thought you know Cerrone would be able to you know withstand some of the power from Connor. We haven't seen it translate necessarily as much up to 170 uh, in the couple of times he's been up there. So I thought Cerrone would be able to, to sustain some of those shots. Uh, I thought Connor would want to settle in a little bit. He talked earlier this week about the fact that he wanted to get some rounds in and get some time in the cage because he's been away for so long. So I thought he might try to settle into things, but. When you land a head kick like that, it just kind of changes the complexion of the fight. And I think there's a lot of people want to talk about, you know, Dana said several times, like, Cerny's not a shot fighter, um, all these other things. But listen, that's three straight fights that he's been knocked out. He clearly is losing his chin uh, a bit. And so, that I mean, that happens. He's 36 years old. He's had a ton of fights. And I think we saw that a little bit. Well, Adam, you mentioned to me on the walk over here that – uh, that that that's his kind of his mo right doesn't win the big fight so with, with history i mean we know about all these kind of accolades and these honors that he's aggregated over the course of his career but when history when it's all said and done when it, when the books close will history remember him as an all-time great fighter or do you look at him as kind of like a a b-level fighter that had his moments but never really was quite elite elite yeah he's he's that hall of good yeah he's he's, he's always been good he's been a good fighter he's got a ton of talent a ton of ability and he's been willing i, I think at the expense of more success he's been willing to just say yeah i'll take that he hasn't picked and chosen opponents he's like oh i fought this week oh you want me to fight somebody in two weeks okay i'll do that that's and that's respectable. Respectable. Yeah, yeah that's huge and i think he could have had a better record he could have had a more you know more success in his career if he didn't say i'm just that guy i'm that guy that's going to show up and so i think that's what he's chosen to do and that's how he'll be remembered and historically he's never been a guy that's like i'm after that title that's what i want he's sometimes even said so far as like that doesn't matter to him yeah but um, i'm a prize fighter i fight for the money right and he's had these crazy six-week turnarounds and in leading up to this i believe i want to say he fought six times in 18 months um, ahead of facing connor so larry when you've seen everything that Connor, I mean, excuse me, that Donald's been through and then just the demolition that Connor put on him. Do you kind of agree with the sentiment that he should start thinking about retiring and stepping I, away? I do. I, I don't think anyone looks at him as anything more than a gatekeeper now, you know? And I mean, he, he's got a, a really great career to look back on and nothing to nothing to be ashamed of. Um, 
yeah, I, I think it's time to hang it up. I, I don't think he has that killer instinct anymore. You know, here's here's the problem. Uh, we said he fights for the money. That's what he does. Um, he's always done that. He just had a kid not too long ago. In fact, we saw the kid. Uh, me and Sam were sitting over by the kid uh, tonight. Um, he signed a new deal that's much much bigger than any deal he's ever had going forward. He's not going to let those fights just sit out there. He's got his next you know five six fights under this new contract. He's going to continue to fight those. Uh, and he's not going to make what he made tonight because of the you know cut of pay per view and all those other things. But you know he's he, this is as big a contract he's ever signed, and I think he's he's going to keep getting in there and keep fighting, and that's what he does. And you know you you hate to see it sometimes with guys that fight way beyond when they should be fighting, but it's also going to be tough to turn down those big numbers. At what point do you think Dana steps in and says, "Hey, it might be time for Cerrone to hang it up"? He never makes anybody. He'll have that conversation. Um, but, you know, even Chuck Liddell, he let fight like four or five fights, and that was his good friend. He let fight way beyond when he should have. Well, that's what I thought uh, was funny about Holly, because he said that the last time Holly fought, you know, maybe time for her to hang it up and totally different attitude about her this time. So. Yeah, I mean, Holly was another fight in a situation where, I mean, we've seen her in a lot of big fights. Um, this one, a co-main for this card, UFC 246. And I hate to say that the rematch was a lot like the first fight between she and Raquel Pennington. It was one of those fights where it was very tactical shall we say and dana was even showed some frustration there that's a very uh, very genuine uh, gen uh, right, generous right, way of, yeah, of characterizing I mean, that tactical a, a lot of times that's what you hear when a fight is a lack of action you'll hear that people say it was very tactical <laughs> but i mean something that's happened between these two girls is i think they have a little bit too much respect for each other when they step in the ring excuse me the cage together and uh yeah i mean this one wasn't one that dazzled me out of holly i mean she's had up there um in the post-fight statement that she's been going through a lot uh she was nearly in tears there but i mean adam what do you think is next for holly holm after that well not a title shot certainly no. <laughs> um listen this her what her third fight in her last seven last seven or eight i think three and five in her last eight actually so uh she's she's still got a ton of skill she has, for the last four or five fights, been a much, much more cautious fighter. Uh, she's not the, uh, she doesn't unleash her offense in a way that she used to, uh, and she's always been a counter striker. So she's always had trouble. She's always looked uh, less than stellar when somebody doesn't come right at her. Because what she does is somebody comes right at her. Think of, let's think the biggest example of people know the Ronda Rousey fight, where you know Ronda Rousey kept coming straight forward, and Holly was able to counter, step aside, counter. That's what she does. That's her skill. And if you stay back and stay on the outside and don't come toward her, she has a lot of trouble. Today was a different fight. It was her kind of clinching a lot, which I was a little bit surprised by uh, that she was able to do that. But I, I also don't think she thought Pennington was going to come forward. She was trying to press the action a little bit, and the referee allowed that to happen. So what you have is a very dull, uh, boring, tactical fight. <laughs> uh, so I, I think you know, that's what we saw. So I, I, you know, she's not going to get a massive opportunity, but there's, there's still plenty of fighters you know, in that you know, three to seven range. Uh, that she can beat, they'll have good fights against, and I think they'll uh, they'll throw one of those out there. What did Dana say? Three minutes of clinching. There was four in each round. <laughs> four minutes of each round was clinching. It pretty much was. That's, yeah. a, that's yeah, he was it. not happy with the way that that fight was officiated. Yeah. I cannot blame him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, a lot of times that is on the official. Like I, you want to see them work. Uh, you want to let fighters work, and I think when it's on the ground, if somebody's in top position, a lot of times uh, I'm less uh, less apt to call for standups because I think that's just fighters working and trying to get. Uh, to better spots and they have an advantageous position but in the clinch really nobody has an advantageous position it's just they're just tied up and at that point that is when it's on the ref to be like all right let's go step out here and it, I, I will also tell you referees look at the clock and, and they're not supposed to but they do it 
and when it's right around a minute left in a round, they'll go break it up. And that's what they do. I think he did all three rounds. Remember Steve Mavisgati? He used to look at the clock a lot. Like every yeah. Dana would say things like, "What's this guy doing in there? Making a shopping list, staring at the clock, figuring out what he's going to go buy <laughs> after the, yeah. after the fight." Yeah. Um, yeah. So on the flip side of having a fight where they're clinching too much, you have. Uh, a few performances on this card. In fact, the UFC gave out five bonuses tonight uh, for a lot of huge performances by guys who really stepped up. One of them that I was most impressed with was Diego Ferreira uh, against Anthony Pettis. Pettis, I mean, did not look himself in there tonight. And Diego just took him out with a neck crank in the second round. Really, the first guy, although there are two submissions on Pettis's record, but, I, but you know, the first one was kind of fluky and had issues. This is a truly... The first time we can say that Pettis was finished by submission. So uh, when you look at the performance that Feria put on, I mean, do you feel like he's ready now for that top, top echelon? Anthony Pettis being an 11 ranked fighter here in the UFC's lightweight division. Where do you see Feria stacking up against other lightweights, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I think he's really good. And I think he's he's earned us, uh, he's earned himself a big opportunity. Uh, but I, I, I thought that was more on Pettis than it was on Feria. I, I thought that Pettis... I talked to some people this week, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't willing to just run with it and say they're, you know, they absolutely know. But some people that are in position to know that said Pettis is just done, and they said they didn't like how he trained, they didn't like how he was in camp. There was reports out of camp that it just, it just wasn't there for him. Uh, I didn't trust that because he's such a, such an explosive athlete, such a dynamic performer that you sometimes you think maybe he's just going through the motions and he's going to be able to come out there and and perform well. But I, I think you just saw right from the beginning of the fight, it just wasn't there. He didn't have it. And, uh, you know, Fede took advantage of that. Anytime you put a former champion on your resume, it's going to be impressive. And it's going to get people's attention. Uh, but I, w I wouldn't get carried away and say, oh, that guy's a top three guy now. Uh, I think it's time to take it kind of slow with him, but definitely start to build him. Okay, so on this card, aside from the ones that I really mentioned there, uh, we saw Macy Barber, that hype train, get derailed. We had written about her earlier in the week, Adam. We talked to her. The future jinx. The, the future jinx, yeah. I mean, um, nobody really compared her to Anderson Silver or GSP. <laughs> like, you've seen that happen to a lot of fighters in the past where they've showed up on the Ultimate Fighter and then they get compared to somebody huge and then completely derailed hype train. But she was being talked about, like, this girl could be the next future champ at flyweight Roxanne Modafferi a Las Vegas local who trains here at syndicate MMA really put the big sister mode on her got her down was able to beat her up pretty well there a lot of blood spurting out at, at certain moments Larry what did you make of Roxanne's overall performance and, and the way that she was able to get in on Macy Barber I mean I've been pretty vocal about not being a uh, on the Roxanne train not thinking that she was very good before but like she has improved um, Heidi kind of called it out before the fight saying Roxanne has improved leaps and bounds and she showed it tonight. Um, I felt she won the battle on the feet. She won the battle on the ground and she dominated a, a top prospect. Um, I think this was probably the best thing to happen to Macy Barber though, is to lose early in your, you know, lose young and lose early. Because, she wasn't ready. No. And she'll learn from this yeah. and it'll make her even better. So um, big things from her coming and uh, Mata Ferry looks a lot better now. Yeah, I, and I actually, I, and Sam, I actually want to get your take on her because you got to uh, kind of experience her for the first time tonight. But, uh, I asked her a question the other day, and she—I don't—I don't know if she understood exactly what I was saying, but she went. She came to Syndicate MMA here in Las Vegas, as I think after five straight losses, and nobody gave her any credit. And I know that you know, Larry, you're saying you just don't think she's very good, but she she came in here as an old fighter. I mean, she was—it was not like she was 23 trying to learn. She'd been around the game forever. We talked about it today. She's been around the game for 16 years. She came in there. And her her game took off, and and I, 
I really am interested if you if she really would think about it, how frustrating it is for her to be 37 now and getting so much better every single fight. Like that that it's just unfortunate that it was so late in her career that she went there because she looks like a completely different. She did not know how to punch. Like three years ago, she didn't know how to throw a punch. And that's like 13 years into her MMA career. So the amount of improvement that she's made uh, in that gym is just unbelievable. It, it speaks a lot for the gym. It speaks a lot for her at that age, having been around for that long, to put in that much work. Um, so incredible job by her. Just uh, an unbelievable win. I, I I wish that Macy Barber hadn't been hurt in the fight because that that's why she didn't get a bonus. Uh, Dana White said, hey, those things happen. Your knee pops out every once in a while. But it's it's it wasn't really the injury. I mean, she was already winning before that injury happened. So kind of unfortunate for her uh, to not get the full credit she deserves for that win. Uh, but just a, an unbelievable person. She's a very different type of person. Uh, very you know a self 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 described nerd. Um, but just so friendly. And a quick story because I want to get Sam's opinion on what he thought of her dealing with her for the first time as he wrote a story on her today. But I know that she left the fights here after she won. Uh, she went to a local bar to watch where she always watches. I where, where I usually watch fights, if I'm not there, she's always there. She went to her spot to watch the rest of the card. Uh, I know a local sports book director in town was also there. Uh, he was so thrilled with her win because every parlay that was put in at the sports books had Macy Barber on it. So Roxanne Metafari won these sports books in Vegas a ton of money. A sports book director went over to her like, hey, thank you so much. You won us a lot of money tonight. Your drinks are on me. And she said, is there any way you could just buy me cake instead? <laughs> Which is great. It's a great story. But uh, I actually have a picture of her with the cake. Uh, on my phone right now, which is awesome. But Sam, you uh, you were the star owner. You got to talk to her for the first time. What do you think? Yeah, very, very, very unique sense of charisma and, and just kind of unapologetically herself, which yeah. is really, really cool. Yes. I don't think there's any pandering, not trying to win anybody over. Um, all she tried to do was win the fight. And she kind of reaffirmed after the fight that she very much believed she could and, and had no doubt about it and uh, talked about how kind of tough her chin was. And, and she was pretty confident that uh, Macy couldn't take her down like that, like or, or demolish her the way she yeah. has some of her other competition and if if i had if i didn't know better had i not read your tremendous story in the review journal about macy earlier this week i'd have had no idea who the top prospect <laughs> nice was i'd have had absolutely no idea uh, it was totally clinical like you said before the knee buckled i thought it was already uh, th that she was already out to a decisive lead uh it, very very interesting to deal with her tonight and a cool victory for her as a what she go off plus 550 underdog she was higher. higher well she she was minus it was minus 1000 plus 850 yesterday I think it got bet down to minus eight dollars plus six fifty or plus seven hundred today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just an, an absolutely. I mean, she was the biggest uh, underdog on the card, and, and to see her have that kind of success and to be in her own element here in the media room afterward was was, was pretty cool for sure. Yeah, the happy warrior, and I talked to her coach John Wood after mm -hmm. when Roxanne came in to speak to the media, and also she described herself as a. a Still in the Jedi way because she's a big <laughs> Star Wars person. And she, I remember I've seen her out at the gym and she wears sometimes a R2-D2 singlet when she's out there <laughs> doing wrestling. So that's kind of cool. But he said that they went out there and he said no fighter has executed the game plan more perfectly than Roxanne did tonight against Macy Barber. Uh, again, taking home a win over her. So um, a, a couple of things I wanted to get on that Dana was talking about here. Well, we, we talked to John. We should uh we could hear from him right now I guess if you talk to him I got to talk to him a little bit too and uh, listen he said the same thing you did not surprised like they went into this fight not thinking that they were a massive underdog they believed in her and uh, really weren't surprised by anything. This is one of those this is one of those fights where 
it went exactly like we thought it would. You know, Macy's tough, Macy's good, but there's a lot of holes. And it was more, wasn't worried about really what Macy was going to do or whatever. It was just about sharpening Roxy up to exploit those things. Um, you know, Macy came in here with a lot of hype. And, you know, I'm not sure if she was arrogant or this, that, and the other, but, you know, everybody from, you know, got on down thought that Roxy was going to get killed. So just didn't see it that way so it um it just it just went according to plan man was, was that an edge for you guys in this fight that everybody kind of was looking past i love it when people look past her she's the underdog in every single fight every single fight you know and so far you know realistically in the, in, in the ufc she's only lost to people that haven't made weight bigger stronger opponents you know like that haven't done their job so you know i really think roxy's got a hell of a chin she hits harder than people think almost every single fight roxy's rocked people it's just maybe it hasn't been as pretty but we're working on that you know this fight was about footwork it was about floating flowing getting a little meaner getting a little nastier you know she's been working with uh coach aj matthews over here to you know really improve her, her meanness and it just all kind of came together you know and i know you have a ton of fighters and you work for a lot but is, is there anybody who's more rewarding to see like no. somebody who has that kind of attitude like no. that kind of improvement it's, it's the best because going basically from zero to hero with roxy you know when she got here everybody's heard it already oh and five you know or she was on a five fight losing streak and you know the second she came into my gym i just saw how weird how weird and how awkward it was and some of the shit, it, it still worked it was really it worked so it was about smoothing that out about making that more effective for not changing her and that's it's now evolving to the next level and i, I think you're gonna see a, a whole different roxy here shortly see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts will always fall at the perfect untucked length. Just ask my husband. He heads into the party. He loves the way he looks and feels comfortable in his Untuck It shirt. If it's perfect to the frame, these shirts are really great. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long or too big again, and their website is super easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Oh, now you want to talk about Tom Brady, right? I thought when she asked me the question earlier, I thought you guys were going to ask me, hey, Tom Brady was here. Davis was here. I saw them talking. What's going on? Are you guys Las Vegas or what? Come on, man. If that dude isn't playing for Boston, he's playing here. All right?
All right, everybody, we're back here on the RJ Ringside podcast brought to you by Untuck It. And we had a big card here at the T-Mobile tonight. UFC 246 where Conor McGregor defeated Cowboy Cerrone in the first round of action here tonight in the main event. And here we are all again, Sam Gordon, Larry Mir, Adam Hill, and I'm Heidi Fang. We saw a star-studded event here, guys, and that's kind of the thing that Conor McGregor brings to town. You saw Tom Brady out there, Christian McCaffrey was out there, uh, Matthew McCaffrey. McConaughey and uh, of course Mark Davis, the the Raiders owner, was uh, sitting in the Dana White section as well. And we should throw out uh, right behind me and Sam was John Gruden. Oh. Okay. Uh, so Coach Gruden was here Big and oh. yeah, and uh, got to walk over and see Max Crosby for yeah. a second too. So Max Crosby not as good of seats as Dana and uh, <laughs> or, excuse me as uh, as Mark Davis and John Gruden, but he was there. He was uh, having a good time. What is not as good? Like, are we talking nosebleeds? He was in uh, section eleven, row F. <laughs> you know the exact. I, I do. It's not awful. I do. It's not awful, but it's it's not it's not as good. Well, it's in the corner. It's yeah. it's it's low, so it's a good angle, but it's over in the corner. And John Gruden was like right behind the cage, right on media row. Like I told Sam, he's like one of the only people that has better seats than us in the media because he was like four rows up, right right directly looking into the cage. So Adam, you had a little conversation with Dana White here, and we're gonna do a little crossover here on the RJ Ringside podcast. Uh, you talked to. Uh, him about Tom Brady's presence here and Mark Davis's presence here, and there's a lot of talk that they may try to work out something with them. How serious do you think it is talking to Dana? So yeah, I wish I would have recorded it, but he actually asked <laughs> me not to act, not to directly quote him. To just uh, he's like, you can say what I talk about, but uh, just don't quote me directly. Um, he, I will tell you right now, he talked a little bit about it on the stage. He, to me, fully believes. Tom Brady will be the quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders week one next season. Now, we should preface that with Dana White is a huge Patriots fan. A so, of course, Patriots he wants fan, to see his guy here. A close, close friend of Tom Brady. If you saw tonight, they were hugging in. I have, I think I've told the story maybe here, if not other places, of uh, us making fun of Tom Brady one day on a podcast. And afterwards, uh, Dana jumping up, grabbing his phone, FaceTiming Tom Brady. And having you know, telling him that I was just trashing him on a podcast. So I mean, they they have that type of relationship. They're very very close. Uh, it, it, so he would know. And what he said is, it just makes a ton of sense. He said, "This is him, not me." They need a quarterback. I was like, "Okay, well, they, they have a quarterback." <laughs> uh, he said, "Vegas is is the kind of place that that just works. Like bring in Tom Brady, like make him the splash in the new stadium." He's like, "Vegas is a a flashy town. They need a flashy quarterback." What better way than to bring in Tom Brady? Uh, and I said, is this directly from them or is this you speculating on this? He laughed, kind of winked, and he was like, you can figure that out. So to me, like there actually was conversations going on. He also had a conversation with Mark Davis. He said, how nice is that dude? I said, he, very. He's a very nice guy, obviously. He said, I want to do some things with them. He wouldn't elaborate what it was, but he, he certainly – has some plans to work with the Raiders, and he did tell me he has a suite in the stadium, which is not surprising to anybody, uh, but he's very excited, and he said uh, it would not hurt him that much to have Tom Brady leave if he comes to Las Vegas where he can cheer for him here in town. Well, from a football standpoint, too, even it makes some sense, right? It's a warm, warm climate. You take climate out of it. You're playing most of your games in warm-weather cities or indoors. Solid offensive line, a veteran coach that's won a Super Bowl. Uh, Gruden and Brady seem to work. Yeah, that he would, yeah. That you, he would respect. I mean, there's football reasons, too. And obviously, um, we all know who Tom Brady's wife is, Giselle. It makes sense for her career and for her standpoint as well, given that it's Vegas. I mean, this is a city where you'd think that – 
she could live in and have a lot of success in as well. So uh, I just want, and I I just watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary. I would want to be out of that organization immediately. <laughs> I'm only on, on part one, so yeah. so don't give me any spoilers. But yeah, uh, it, it was kind of big news here to see all of those guys out here. I mean, this is just the kind of thing I think with a football stadium in Vegas that we'll start seeing more of at these type of events. More guys coming out that are, we also saw. I didn't even mention the Miles Garrett and Bree. Um, and um, Baker, well, yeah, Baker was Mayfield. Baker here? And that's the thing is like they didn't even show him <laughs> on. They showed Miles Garrett, and then you have uh, Baker Mayfield in there, and he's like kind of photobombing. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't even put up a thing for him until way later. But he on wasn't the even photobombing. It basically it was for if you weren't watching, it basically was like here's Miles Garrett, former number one pick of the Cleveland Browns, and there just happens to be another guy sitting next to him. They never acknowledge who it is, never say anything about it. It was Baker Mayfield. Now. He looked a little goofy, so maybe they just didn't recognize him. But it, it was definitely him, and they didn't even acknowledge it when they were announcing yeah, the I mean, that's the consequence of throwing so many interceptions, man. <laughs> yeah, but Miles Garrett is hitting people with his helmet. That's true. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. But that's he didn't crazy. wear the weapon into the state, into the arena tonight, so I think everything was safe there. But uh, Connor has expressed a lot of interest about fighting in Allegiant Stadium, being the first combatant to compete there once it happens. Do we foresee an MMA event happening next year, let's say, or would it be a, a more of a wait before that happens? What do we know about talks in there? Sam, they were talking about Pacquiao perhaps fighting uh, Connor. What do you think can happen in this kind of uh, perspective when you look at fights and the stadium coming together? When do you think that might happen? Well, we, we didn't think that Floyd and and Conor McGregor would ever happen, right? And then never. it did. I, I said never, ever, ever, yeah. ever. Right. And, then, and, and then it did. And then it did. And we know that Dana White and Floyd Mayweather have been in contact, pretty frequent contact. Dana confirmed that today after the fight. He said, we've been talking a lot tonight. And he pretty much said, we're going to do something with Floyd. And Conor's he showed, he showed me his phone. I didn't see the text, but he's like, look, I was serious. We've been texting all night. Yeah, and Conor's somebody who's already has experience doing that crossover. You look at Pacquiao, you look at McGregor, and you look at Floyd, and those are, in my opinion, the three biggest names in combat sports over the last decade. It, it makes sense. And if if if, if, May, if Mayweather and McGregor fight again, it's happening at Allegiance. As it should. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no question. For sure, it's happening there. Now, I, they, they could do... I think it might have to be one of those crossover fights because could they do Conor Khabib at Allegiant Stadium? Sure. It's a massive fight. Probably the biggest fight they'll ever do in the UFC, the rematch of that fight. But as Dana said, Khabib has said he will never fight in Las Vegas again. So if that holds, and of course his next fight is scheduled for Brooklyn, if that holds, then I guess they couldn't do that fight here. So it would have to, I mean, could they do Masvidal McGregor here? Probably. That's a little bit of a stretch. I think it's going to have to be one of those crossover fights to really make it happen if, if Khabib sticks to not fighting in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, me too. And, and that way you're bringing in from a fan's perspective. I mean, that's a 60,000 seat arena for football, and you think for MMA where you can have people seated or boxing, yeah. you could have people seated on the field, you're looking at maybe 80,000. And that way, if it's a crossover, you're bringing in spectators from all you know, boxing fans, MMA fans, combat sport fans in general. So I think it taps into a larger fan base. Yeah, by they, doing that as well. They don't need Saturdays for uh, UNLV football. They're <laughs> kicking the rebels out of there. So uh, why not have some combat sports in there on Saturday nights? Right. Right. Well, let's pontificate for a moment on what could be next for Connor because uh, there's some names right here we're throwing around. We're throwing around Pacquiao. We're throwing around Mayweather. We're throwing around Khabib. Uh, even Jorge Masvidal another guy that could be next but Dana was talking
talking about, oh, it has to be next for him, is Nurmagomedov. Uh, but then that kind of just throws out the window the whole idea of Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, it's, I said it, Adam. It's it's I know, you're not supposed to say it. <laughs> I it's, know, I've it, it's, it right now. It's either Ferguson, Nurmagomedov, or Masvidal. That is Connor's next fight, and it depends on the scheduling. You know, if that fight goes through in April, I think he fights Masvidal instead and doesn't wait around. Of course, Masvidal is out for a while with the hand issues, but uh, if they don't, if if those guys don't fight, he will step in and fight in that fight. He'll take the place of whichever one uh, is pulled out. But if that fight does go through, I think he fights Masvidal and then the winner uh, of that of that fight coming up. What, what do you, how do you guys feel about Connor's demeanor um, before the fight, after the fight? It seems more mature now, maybe more focused. I mean, I yeah. expected after he won to do the whole uh i'd like to apologize to absolutely nobody you know no, he, kind of he apologized <laughs> yesterday for being late to the weigh-in yeah he said he had a who kid is this to guy me, to me that's a scary connor because we're focused on fighting and that's what yeah. he said and you've seen that in the ring tonight absolutely and he was tremendous and that goes to you know for you guys who have been around the fight game a little longer than i have if you get this connor mcgregor the guy who can't who has matured who was sharp skill-wise tactically physically sharp tonight do you give this guy a chance to avenge his a better chance to avenge his, his loss to Khabib that he had last year, year no, fourteen no, months ago? I, I think Connor is so is so calculating about that stuff because I don't think you can just say, well, when he's nice and mature and relaxed, he's going to be even sharper and better. His, I mean, his best performance really, which was maybe even better than this one. It's one punch, but the Jose Aldo fight where it was like nasty and awful and ugly for a year leading up sure, to that fight sure. and he did it intentionally to get Aldo out of his game right. to get Aldo to rush across the cage and hit him and I think it was the exact opposite he wanted Cerrone relaxed he wanted Cerrone to, to have another slow start like he does he didn't want him coming out all fired up so he was nice and relaxed and calm uh, but the, the, the other aspect of that is because it's partly that it's also the he hasn't been drinking which he said this is the first camp he's gone sober all the way through uh, so that could be part of it as well but I think you also have to look at and Dana kind of alluded to this that he's just happy. That that buildup with Nurmagomedov was that was not for for people that are on the outside and they don't understand like oh that's fight they're hyping the fight no 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 that is that is some ugly ugly nasty like religious battle na na nations battling uh, it's it's a disgusting battle. It's not between just between them. two guys; it's their camps. And so and and you know Connor was dealing that for a long time. And you know, it was, it, and he was de dealing with it even before the Mayweather fight. He was already talking about Khabib when they were actually going to fight. It was a year and a half of building up to Khabib, and now he's he's had a little bit of time to step away and be like, "Man, I went to a dark place. I went to a really dark place for like three years, and not dealing with it for a while seemed to have just made him feel better." So I think it's a combination of all of those things. And if we see him fight Khabib, I I think it's right back to the the Connor that we saw before. So okay, just uh, to wrap things up here. Who's everybody thinking his next fight is? Adam, you were set on. I mean, well, we're assuming that Ferguson and Nurmagomedov don't fight, right? I mean, they. they assuming. It, it yeah. always That's what kind of where I'm assuming. Because, and so if, if that fight, yeah. if one of them pulls out, he's stepping into that fight. Yeah, just because of what Dana was saying, I think that somehow that fight isn't going to happen. And and Connor steps in magically. That's what I think as well. Larry, I, th I think think it's Masvidal. I think Masvidal's next. Um, I also People's do think that event. Connor, I'm going to throw this conspiracy theory out since he's saying that fight's not going to happen. He might have somebody maybe possibly hit Tony in the knee with something or, you know, it might be a <laughs> random attack on Tony, no. Tanya Harding style. No. Like, I, I don't know. You, you never know. But uh, I, I think it's Masvidal next. Um, I still think that Dana's a little bit um, conflicting on Connor fighting Masvidal because he even said it um, tonight about Cerrone. Cerrone got beat by a 55er. You know, I, I still think that. 
I don't know. I, I think Masvidal is too much man for him. Uh, Sam, what do you got? I, I'm going to go with Khabib. I think that's the, the fight to be made. That's It gives him a chance to avenge his loss. Maybe there's less of, like, maybe the buildup's less tense and a little bit more such a kind bad, of such inviting. Such a bad matchup for him. And, and that's, I mean, if you, that's, at this point, it's a legacy fight for him, right? Yeah. If he wins that, that's a legacy fight that cements him as one of the all-time greats if he's not there already. So um, I'm not sure the, you know, any other fight does that for him quite like the Khabib fight would. I do before we uh, before we move on. I do want to get Sam's thoughts on just being in the arena. I think that was your first event. It's a, oh, was to, it? No, well, a Connor MMA. event. Yeah, for, for, oh, uh, Connor. second yeah. MMA event. But the only other one I covered was uh, right after uh, October one, twenty seventeen. Okay, and yeah. it was kind of a different experience oh, for me. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote like a sidebar about whoever sang the national anthem. I can't I can't really remember, but um, I thought it was incredible. The presentation was phenomenal. The energy in the building. It really really was well done. One thing that I liked that I pointed out to Adam right away is how the light shines on the ring and the rest of the arena is dim, kind of like the Los Angeles Lakers or New York Knicks games. It really felt to me like it showcased the fights, and it was it was a heck of an experience. And uh, they, they nailed the presentation uh, uh, part of this. I mean, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. So you can only I can only imagine um, what they would do given kind of the the more space in an Allegiant Stadium or something <laughs> like that, how, how incredible it would be. It was it was awesome. Um, it was great to be here with y'all, who I consider the best MMA coverage team in the country. Absolutely. Uh, given, no, you're, you're, you're out. I'm not. No, you no, guys I'm not. I'm going to second that. I'm going I'm to I'm second that I mean, with Sam. You too, Larry. Yeah. I mean, given Thank the experience you have have, have have had as a former fighter, we're looking at we're probably between you three, what, 50 combined years around oh, MMA? Wow, wow, everybody, wow. Oh, look at this oh, guy. No, no, I'm calling, everybody, guy. I'm calling everybody experience. <laughs> <laughs> a little different. You feel me? But, so we're, uh, we're Cerrone. You're McGregor. I get it. I get it. And I started this fight. Five years ago. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. It Heidi, wasn't five Heidi years did ago. start this fight. Was it? Yes, yeah. with your comment. It was like question, almost four Sam, years Sam ago. Sam looks confused. A question at a press conference uh, that Heidi asked <laughs> got, Connor, got Connor and uh, Connor and Cowboy going at each other on stage. Oh, yeah. She got the ball rolling. Sparked a rivalry that culminated tonight. Yeah, and it was interesting because I had a lot of media come up to me, and I didn't really think of it that way until like people were saying, yeah, you know, your clip was on the countdown show leading up to this and say like it was kind of the spark. I was like, was it really? That's awesome. Cool. So I would like to see some royalties from this, uh, you know, 5%. Just kidding. Wow. Uh, <laughs> 5% is retirement money. It is. It is. That's, yeah. that's all I want. Okay. 1%. Whatever. Five. What did Cowboy say for Connor to share some of that grease? Yeah, yeah there you go. Grease. Give me that. Give me that grease. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how to take care of my chickens because uh, that was Marshawn last week. I don't know what that meant. It was great. Maybe, maybe those guys know. Yeah, right? Let me get Marshawn Lynch on the line. Beast Mode, help me out. But uh, guys, that'll do it for us here on the RJ Ringside Podcast. And we'll be back with some great interviews that we got this uh, fight night from some fighters that have some things coming up here. That would be Joe Jitsu, Joe Benavides. He has uh, a title fight coming up against Davison Figueroa. And uh, that one is coming up here in February. So we will have some sound on that for you in our coming podcast. And you'll want to keep it tuned to ReviewJournal.com for every update on things happening in the combat sports world by Sam Gordon on Twitter. Uh, he takes care of a lot of boxing stuff and also in here tonight with the MMA world. It was an honor and privilege. Yeah. Seriously. I had, a, I had a great time tonight. I appreciate y'all for showing me the, the ropes or I guess showing me the cage. Yeah, showing <laughs> you the chain links. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Quickly, so I, I really appreciate it. I had a blast. It's got eight sides instead <laughs> of four. <laughs> and uh, Larry Mayer, you can find him at Larry Mayer and everything that Adam Hill does because 
because he covers like literally everything. So at Adam Hill LVRJ is his handle on Twitter. And I'm at Heidi Fang. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>